Hello and welcome to Starting Over with Shannon. This is a podcast about fresh starts, new chapters and embracing change and challenge to become a better version of ourselves and create a better world around us. I'm your host Shannon Jenkins and every week I'll be bringing you a different Starting Over story with tips on how to conquer life's difficulties to find greater joy, meaning and purpose. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode. I just wanted to say whether I am your first listen, your weekly listen, your monthly listen or more, I'm so grateful that you choose to spend your precious time with me and my guests and that you choose to work on yourself and expand your consciousness. I am so convinced that this has enormous benefits for us personally, but I also genuinely believe that it can change the world around us as well. Now, over recent years, I've become much more intentional about the content that I consume. And I also recognize that this so-called doing the work and having a spiritual practice is just that. It's a practice. It takes intentional effort, especially to stay in that place of expansive, open wholeheartedness and steady groundedness as well. And such spiritual practices could be meditation, spending time in nature, painting, drawing, yoga, etc. But they can also be listening to podcasts such as this one. I don't know about you, but for me, a spiritual practice is really any activity that we do regularly with mindful attention that helps us to feel more connected, grounded, centered, as well as interconnected with the wider world around us. And today on the show, we welcome Brad Yates, and he's going to be sharing a technique that could be spiritual or simply self-awareness or self-improvement focused. It's commonly known as EFT tapping or psychological acupressure, and it is formally known as emotional freedom technique. Now, in simple terms, I hear it's a bit like acupuncture, but without the needles. So instead of using needles, we use our own fingers to tap on different parts of our body in a sequence while focusing on the pain or fear we want to address. So the core idea is in our body, we have a network of energy channels, which we ideally want to be flowing nicely. But negative emotions purportedly disrupt the body's energy system and cause blockages. So this self-help healing technique called tapping is used to release these blockages and restore our body's energy balance. I'm quite new to this, but when I heard about it, I was curious and thought, hmm, what's that about? So really what I'm bringing you today is something you might not have heard of before, but I think you should just be curious and not judgmental. That's a quote that Brad actually mentions at the end from American poet Walt Whitman. And I think that's just generally an attitude, to be honest, that we should be adopting in our everyday lives. But that aside, on today's episode, we explore in particular how we can use tapping to release our fears, our limiting beliefs, and our resistances in order to become the best version of ourselves. 
And we also do a five minute demonstration at around the 30 minute mark of the episode where Brad takes us through the tapping sequence and a related fear of handling uncertainty in our lives. But with no further ado, here is my conversation with Brad. And as always, if you are enjoying the show, please do subscribe, rate, review or share with a friend. It really makes the world of difference. Brad, thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Starting Over with Shannon. I'm really happy that you agreed to doing this podcast and appearing with me. So thank you very much for your time. Oh, my pleasure, Shannon. Thanks for having me on. Well, as you know, and my audience too, I usually start these podcasts with a little bit about the personal story of those I interview and particularly in what ways they have experienced a starting over in their life, some form of difficulty or hardship that has led them onto a new path, let's say. So where I wanted to start with you was, what is your own personal starting over story? Well, certainly uh, professionally uh, made a big change when uh, I had been a professional actor. I had gotten my degree in drama in college. I had studied acting in London I had traveled the world doing children's theater and then gone to Hollywood to be a movie star. And then while I was in Los Angeles, I met a woman, fell in love and got married. And when our first child was on the way, I thought, you know, I might need a backup career. (laughs) So rather than just getting a steady, I mean, I'd obviously done odd jobs, waiting tables, being a courier, the the usual kinds of things. That's the cliche that, yes, that's it. I had hoped to avoid the cliche of being a waiter, but then I got an, an offer that I really couldn't refuse. So I was doing all of that, but I had always been fascinated by the power of the mind. And I saw an advertisement for a hypnotherapy school. And I thought, now that would be an interesting side career. So I went through this course of training and I started building a small practice as a hypnotherapist. And, you know, was, there are all kinds of benefits to it. Having, having a theatrically trained voice, it was very helpful as a hypnotherapist. And when my audience fell asleep, that was a good thing. So there were things <laughs> that I, I really enjoyed about that. And after a couple of years, when our second child was on the way, I realized as much as I'd loved acting, that this was really my calling, doing personal development work. So I realized, okay, it's time to transition into this full time. We left Los Angeles, moved to Northern California, so changed pretty much everything. (laughs) And and then I started as hypnotherapist, and at at that time is when we moved to Northern California that I learned about EFT. And so then there was a slow transition from hypnotherapy being my main practice to tapping being my main practice. Hmm. I'm interested when you describe personal development being a calling, what does a calling feel like to you? This was very relevant. The last episode that I actually had was all about listening to our intuition and f- feeling what is right. And sometimes these words like calling and abundance and all of these words, <laughs> people are just like, oh, what does that mean? So right. what did that feel like for you to say, okay, there's something right about this? Yeah, well, and, and that that is what it is, that it, it, it's, that it feels right. It's like, I feel good when I'm doing this. It feels purposeful. It it feels fun. You know, I would I would do this even if I wasn't paid to do it. One of the great analogies I love is 
if you've ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire, and uh, a little before your time, one best picture before you were born, but it, uh, it, it's about the, the British Olympic uh, track team back in, I think, in the 30s, maybe. And one of the runners was also a minister. And his sister worked with him in his ministry, and she kept saying, you need to knock it off with all this running nonsense. You need to focus on your ministry. And he said, yes, God made me a good minister, but he also made me fast, and I feel God's pleasure when I run. And it's like, that is... <laughs> that's because that's, that's, you know, whatever your beliefs about God or whatever, it's not a, it doesn't mean a religious thing, but it's that sense of... Yes, this this just feels right. Like the like I've I've tuned into or pardon the pun tapped into what why I'm here. It's like yes, this feels like the best use of my gifts and talents. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're spot on with sort of describing it as a feeling. I often say it's something that is expansive, energetically expansive. It feels light, you feel joyous. And sometimes I think we, maybe we'll come onto this when we talk about tapping, but people actually not being able to tap into that joy, to reach that joy, to give themselves permission to live in that space and actually realizing, yeah, I totally can. We have a lot of programming about how hard life is supposed to be. <laughs> and especially if you're gonna make money, you know, if you're not suffering, then it's not valid and you yeah. haven't really earned it and things like that. So, you know, we, we need to overcome that. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, Please and thank you, because then more people will be doing what the, what's their actual calling and make a bigger difference. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. So what about with your own experience with change and uncertainty? I'm hearing like relocation, different pathway career-wise. There's often these uncomfortable middles, as I describe them, a transition period that can bring a lot of uncertainty. We don't know what to do with it. You're not, you're not quite at B yet, but you left A. Yeah. What did that look like for you and how did you deal with that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> where do I start? I mean, <laughs> you know, obviously trying to build a practice, there's the uncertainty of how do I, how do I find clients? How do I get myself known? I, trying to relocate because when we when we first moved we actually moved into my parents house because we wanted to be closer to my my parents and my wife's parents both lived in northern california so we wanted to be up close to them and didn't have a place to go at first and so trying to find a place we could afford given that we you know didn't have any work at the <laughs> starting out so there were definitely messy times and a lot of stress put on a lot of weight. I mean, it's all relative, but for me at that time, it was like, this is the heaviest I've ever been because I was, it was just hard to figure out what to do. And then little by little, you start to find your stride and figure things out, started to figure out how to use the internet to, to build my business, started putting audios online. And then when YouTube came around and thought, hey, this would be cool. What if I put a tapping video out on YouTube and people could use it to start their day? And I'll call it tap of the morning. And that's all I intended was that one video. I was like, I had no plans of what to do. There was no intention of it being a money-making thing. It was just like, this is a way that I could be of service to the world. I'll put a video out. And then it was like six months later that I did the second video. And then another one, and now there's over a thousand videos. So it, uh, and none of the tapping videos come from a place of, how do I sell something? How do I market something? How do I make money? It's always just 
the calling thing of, I, I get a message of, here's, a, here's something that would be helpful to people. Here's something to be helpful. Just, just put it out there. Just put it out there. And obviously it's been beneficial in people getting to know me and then buying products or coming to workshops or whatever things. But it's always just come from that place of how do I be of service? And so just over time, that got me through the messy part of having a you know feeling of, okay, I think I know what I'm supposed to be doing and just trusting it's going to work out. Yeah. And I can hear that you're following your meaning there and your, like you said, your passion and your skills and being of service, which I think is so key when people are seeking to find purpose. It's actually how great do we feel when we can help other people? I have a video called um, Tapping for a Million Dollars because some other colleagues of mine had videos like Clickbait. that. Clickbait. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do one. And it was, and, and again, it's never, people have commented like, oh, it's like, and it's not clickbait. It's just like, this. Yeah, yeah. what a fun concept to, to tap on. Yeah. And it's like all the money videos for me, it's just changing your mind about money because it's our beliefs about money that get in the way. And someone said, well, if he was really a millionaire, he wouldn't, de why would he even have a YouTube channel? And I'm like, I don't understand that because if I had a million dollars, I wouldn't want to be of service. I would be like, all right, I got a million dollars. I can sit back on the couch and uh, let people deal with their life. However, <laughs> like, yeah. no, of course, of course I want to be of service. I've never done the YouTube videos for money. Um, and why would I stop no matter how much money I, I had? It's like, yeah, I'm not doing, you know, it's nice that I have income from that on ads. But uh, it's like, why, why on earth would I, I mean, to me, I, I have no concept of retirement because I love what I do too much. I can't, there's no sense of, well, at 65, I can stop this. It's like, why? <laughs> you know, as long as I can keep doing this and, you know, like when I, when I'm working with someone one-on-one -on -one or when I'm doing a live workshop, you know, I'm, I'm coming back to uh, London and Dublin in a couple of weeks. I haven't been back there for several years now. And just that it's so, so much fun and so rewarding knowing the difference. It's like, yeah, I can't imagine not doing this anymore. Mm. And how did you stumble across tapping in the first place? Is this Because I'm hearing, I guess this was a technique that became of use to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be so passionately sharing this technique with people. Yeah, I think that I had heard about it while I was um, going through hypnotherapy school. I, I don't really remember now because it didn't, it didn't catch me at that time. It was after I was in practice. And then when I moved up to Northern California, and I was on an email list with some other hypnotherapists, and they were talking about this energy psychology conference going on in Las Vegas. And this tapping thing that this guy, Gary Craig, does called emotional freedom technique. And I thought, it sounds interesting. What the heck? You know, so I went to the conference, took the, went to the, the full day training with Gary. And, and it was interesting. And I know that for a lot of people, when they first see EFT and you're tapping on your face, and they're like, that looks stupid. Now, remember, I'd been an actor. And during the time I was acting, I gone to Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Clown College. So this was not the silliest thing I'd ever done. <laughs> so I was fortunately in a place to be a little more open-minded about it. But what really sold it for me, I think, was when he passed around um, pieces of chocolate and said, uh, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, how much would you like that chocolate? And I was a bit of a chocoholic at the time. And I'm thinking, eight, 
nine. Can I eat it now? And then we did some tapping. Oh, I really want that chocolate. It's going to taste so good. Yum, yum, yum. And just going through this process. And he said, now how much do you want the chocolate? I'm like, I don't. He said, take a bite. And I, I like, tried to take a little nibble of it, and it was disgusting. And uh, I didn't eat chocolate for two years after that. Now, I don't anyone worry. I, I recovered. I got better. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But just in that moment to go from, I really want this piece of chocolate too, I just could not eat it. I couldn't force myself to eat it. And I'm, and I'm back like I'm on a sugar fast right now. I've been on a sugar fast for several weeks now. And it's very easy for me. I can see candy sitting out, you know, if my, um, my wife and my daughter are having dessert. And it's just like it, there's no willpower. There's no sense of I can't. Uh, I, no, no, I shouldn't. It's just like it's just not interesting to me because of clearing the emotional call to that. Yes. So, so having that experience in that moment of, okay, something, something just shifted and all I was doing was tapping on my face was uh, allowed me to see that there's something profound here. And so I, I started introducing it little by little into my hypnotherapy sessions and I just found this is a, a profound way of really putting it literally in the client's hands so that they could do it on their own and, uh, and, and they don't need to, you know, call me up and say, hi, I'm in a bad place. Can you put me in hypnosis right now? <laughs> well, with the hypnotherapy, a lot of people go to hypnotherapy for addictions, right? Like linked to emotional, I, that's at least what I know of it. I don't really know much about hypnotherapy, but that's. Two main things are weight loss and stop smoking. Yeah. Okay. And is that also something that you, these EFT techniques help with as well? Absolutely. I uh, actually taught at Sacramento Drug Court for three years. I took a, taught a weekly class to people who were coming out of jail on drug offenses, and they had a mandatory drug rehab program. And I was brought in to teach EFT, one, for managing the cravings, but two, also for helping to deal with the emotions that underlie the addiction. Absolutely. Well, I'm very curious to hear about this. And this is obviously why I contacted you in the first place. I think I approached this as a kind of skeptical yet open-minded curiosity it was a nice concoction all there in one and it's funny my grandparents are here they're visiting me in switzerland from australia and i said you know i explained i was talking with you about somebody that i'm, I'm going to speak about tapping with and they're like well what on earth is that and i was reminded about how they always told me when i was a kid oh they're tapped in the head do you ever have that saying someone's tapped no. you know so it's an idea yeah, of, like, but you guys have all kinds of crazy expressions in australia I've, I've had the pleasure of doing several workshops down under, and it's uh, and I love it there. But but some of the expressions, are... yeah, we we got it. We've got a few. But anyway, my introduction was they're tapped in the head. They're crazy. Now I'm going to talk to somebody about voluntarily tapping my head. So who literally let's go. taps it? There we go. <laughs> a lot of people have that reaction. You know, you start doing this, and it and and without knowing that expression, a lot of people would say, "Boy, he's tapped in the head." Uh, and, and I get that comment on YouTube at times, but you know, it's just this simple process. It's based on acupuncture. It's been around for thousands, which has been around for thousands of years. You know, they said there's this flow of energy through the body along these pathways called meridians. And when the energy is in balance, then we experience health and well-being. And when it's out of balance, when the energy gets blocked, then we don't feel so good. So in traditional Chinese medicine, the doctor would stick needles in key points around the body to stimulate that healthy flow of energy. And this psychologist named Roger Callahan, around 1980 or so, was working with a woman with a water phobia, 
and thought, well, he had been learning about acupressure and kinesiology and thought, let's see if we can do something about the physical aspect. So she experienced the fear as primarily not in her stomach. And he said, well, let's try this and let's see if we can do something about that. And one of the points for the stomach meridian is right here under the eye. He tapped there for a moment and she said, it's gone. And he said, well, what's gone? And she goes, the fear and ran out towards the swimming pool and he's like running after her saying, stop. She goes, no, I know I don't know how to swim. But she got down by the water and splashed in the water, splashed water in her face, which before was very uncomfortable for her. And she's like, I don't feel any discomfort. And he was thinking, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so he started experimenting with different clients and came up with different algorithms of different tapping points using these same points that have been used for thousands of years. And found that he was able to help people with so many emotional issues because, you know, our emotions aren't just in our head. We, we feel them in our bodies. So we're trying to just do talk therapy in our head to deal with what's going on in our body. So he had this somatic component that allowed, uh, you know, people to work through things faster. And so within a year, he put himself out of business as a psychotherapist because all his clients were feeling fine. So then he's put all of his energy into developing this, uh, this tapping process. And then one of his first students, Gary Craig, came along and sort of simplified the process. So what is the process then simplified? You're tapping different parts of your body. Is there a sequence to that? Are you tapping different parts for different reasons? Yeah. And when Dr. Callahan was doing it, he would tap different points for different issues. And that meant diagnosing, okay, what is going on with you? What is the issue? Okay, let's figure out which points to use. And Gary, who had his training, he had his degree in engineering, is thinking, how do we simplify this? He said, look, there's eight points that we're using. Rather than trying to figure out which three points to use in which sequence, let's just tap all eight points in a row, top to bottom. And he found he was getting the same results. So it said, why, why take the time to diagnose which points to use? And each of these points is a point on one of the different meridians. And the meridians are generally associated with different organs in the body, which are generally associated with different emotions. Sometimes when I'm tapping, I'll use that. But for the most part, it, it, it doesn't matter that much because we can just be tapping through all the points and we're covering all the bases. So the beginning of the eyebrow, side of the eye, run under the middle of your eye, under your nose, under your lower lip, just above your chin, Right here where your collarbones just about come together, there's that little U-shape at the base of your throat. And so the, the meridian point is on either side there. And a lot of times I'll just tell people to use all their fingertips or make a fist and tap where the collarbones meet. Next point is under the arm, about four inches below the armpit. So right about bra strap level. And even the guys can figure out where that is. And then finally the top of the head. And using all of your fingertips, just tapping around the crown of your head. So those are the points that we use in basic, in the basic version of EFT. We start off with deciding what the issue is. So for instance, I'm starting over. I'm scared. <laughs> so on a, on a scale, you know, moving from Australia to Switzerland. Ah. <laughs> Exciting, yes, and, you know, terrifying at the same time. So we would say, okay, I, you know, I may be... I, I may just feel the fear, or I may have a, be able to specifically say, I'm scared I won't find a place to live. I'm scared there won't be enough people who speak English. <laughs> you know, whatever that fear might be, and we rate that on a scale of zero to 10, zero being 
I don't have that fear. 10 being I am freaked out. And then we would try to find where it is in the body. It's like, okay, when I think about that fear, how scared am I? Uh, oh, it's, it's an eight and I feel it in my chest. I feel this tightness around my heart or, you know, in my shoulders, stomach, wherever we might feel it. And then we would start with a setup statement. So uh, I have this fear of moving. And we'd start on, um, we do a setup on the side of the hand. And what, and we're just doing a statement of self-acceptance. So even though I'm afraid of moving, I choose to love and accept myself. We say that three times. So, so often we get upset with ourselves for feeling fear or anger or sadness. Like, oh, I shouldn't feel that. I'm bad or stupid for having that feeling. So what we resist persists. So the setup just allows us to say, I'm acknowledging that I have this and I choose to love and accept myself anyway. And then we go through the points, this fear of moving, this fear of moving, this fear of moving, go all the way through the point, take a deep breath. And then we check in again and it's like, okay, if the tightness was around my chest, go, oh, yeah, it's, it's loosened up. So it may have gone from an eight to a six. Sometimes it goes from an eight to zero like that. Sometimes it goes from an eight to a 7.75. It's like, eh, it's a little bit better. And often it's like peeling the layers of the onion. So we might get more clarity. It's like, I have this fear of moving. It's like, right. Because when I was six and we moved and I had to go to a new school and the new kids were mean to me. And so I have all this association of moving means all the people I meet are going to be mean to me. So now we get more clear. It's like, even though those kids at the new school were mean to me. I start to clear that and it's like, okay, that happened when I was six years old. There was a bunch of dumb kids who didn't know how to handle somebody new. That's not anything about me. And so we start to, not only are we dealing with the fear right now, but we're dealing with something that may have been troubling us for decades. And that creates so much more opening uh, in terms of our mental well-being, our physical well-being, our possibilities and opportunities. Mm, that's intriguing. I'm curious whether there's any requirement for people to be in somewhat of a meditative state or to have done breath work beforehand, anything, or it could literally be, okay, right now, I'm just going to choose to become present because I guess that's also what it is. And you're focusing on the different parts of the body that you're tapping. So there is an element of mindfulness involved, which is obviously and indisputable in terms of the benefits that we have health-wise from that. Yeah. And, you know, and a growing body of scientific evidence showing that, you know, what, what people, the people who've been doing the tapping, you know, say, I feel more relaxed. I feel stressed. This, this has changed in my life that all these benefits, but we now have, you know, chemical studies and fMRI studies showing the brain scans and being able to see, yes, when we're doing the tapping, we are calming down the stress response. That's the main benefit. And when you consider that most, if not all of the issues that bother us physically and emotionally are either caused by or worsened by stress, then having a simple tool for relieving stress is profound. And so that's, that's the great thing is you can just start tapping. You don't have to do anything beforehand. And just this process of tapping will start to calm down the stress response. You know, when, when we get into a stressful situation, this part of our brain called the amygdala, which perceives threat puts us into fight or flight. And that's called the sympathetic nervous system. And then we have the parasympathetic nervous system where the brain says, all right, the threat is over, we can all calm down. And you know, most of our rational thinking comes from our prefrontal cortex. When we go into fight or flight, this goes bye-bye. <laughs> we are not making good choices. 
And so the uh, parasympathetic nervous system allows us to go back into uh, our right mind. And the tapping expedites that. You know, there's, there are still a number of theories about how that works. Is it the meridian system that's used in acupuncture? Is it that, you know, when we, when we tap on these particular points, and we can use a, a galvanometer to measure that there is a, a different level of electric conductivity on these places as opposed to just any random place on the body. So when we're tapping these points, there's a phenomenon called piezoelectricity. It creates an electrical stimulus that goes to the brain. And this, I know there's going to be a lot more science than a lot of people care about, but a lot of people will say, oh, where's the research? It's of like, course. It's no, I'm there. Glad you're, I'm glad you're saying that. <laughs> well, like I said, when you're tapping on your face, I think the average person's going to ask a few questions, right? So yeah. it, of course, it is welcome to hear that aspect of it. What's really funny is that so many people say, where's the, where's the research? I need the research and the, and the proof. It's like, I'm going to sit, spend a day with you, and I'm going to look at all the different things you do, and I'll bet that most of the things you're doing, you've never looked up any research, and some of the things you're doing, the research would tell you, don't do that. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know? yes. The person who's smoking a cigarette saying, where's the research that that's beneficial? Do you want to talk about research? And, and that's not to shame anyone watching who's a smoker. It's not to, to shame you. We're all doing the best we can with our programming, with our circumstances. It's just, it's always interesting to me when someone will say that because so often they're not a, they're not a research wonk, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but what happens is this is threatening because as human beings, we don't like change for the most part, you know, which key thing here with this whole starting over thing, there's a part of us that feels it is a existential threat to us. So if I come along and I say, hey, I'm going to show you a simple technique that's going to help you change your life, the average person is like, you back off. You stay away from me. But they don't want to say that. That would make them look stupid. So if they can say, oh, this guy's an idiot. He's tapping on his face. What a joke. Then it allows us to say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not afraid of change. I'm not backing off. I, just, I can just recognize what's stupid and what isn't. And I can throw all the research at them. And there's a growing body of evidence. Uh, my friend, Dr. Peter Stapleton, who's a psychology professor in Australia at Bond University, is one of the lead researchers. And, uh, you know, she came into this as a trained psychologist, totally skeptical, and thought, well, okay, there's people who are talking about this. Let me look at it and started doing research. And is now one of the main proponents, has written a, uh, a best selling book about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think it's always great to approach things with an open mind. And I think that speaks as a truism in life in general. Yeah. But actually, well, why not? I completely agree with what you're saying. We have a whole variety of vices that uh, we can't seem to ditch. And what, what, what harm of what have we got to lose by trying something out? So with that yeah. in mind, what could somebody do who's like, maybe I've never heard of this. I'm listening right now. Completely new to me, but I'm open to starting this. What would you suggest? Well, I, I don't know how much time we have. Would you like to go through a quick round? Go ahead. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. And we'll explain what we're saying for people listening, what we're doing, sorry, for people for listening. Oh, for, yeah. And I'll, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention the points as we, as we go through. And for anyone who's, who's listening you can't, and, and can't see the video, you can go to my website, tapwithbrad.com, and right there on the homepage is a picture of where all the tapping points are. So I'll ask everyone, go ahead and close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and hold it. And let it go. 
and just allow yourself to look at some place where you're making some change, whether you're completely starting over or, you know, you're maybe just starting the new day. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do with the day to day? And allow yourself to be aware of any tension anywhere in your body, any resistance, any fear of it might not work out. Rate that on a scale of zero to 10. Notice where in your body you might feel it. And allow yourself to be open to any thoughts, beliefs, or memories that might come up as to uh, why this feels uncomfortable. Take a deep breath. Open your eyes. And just gently tapping with your uh, index and middle finger on the edge of your opposite hand. And just repeat back what I say. Even though I feel some fear, I choose to love and accept myself. Even though I'm feeling some fear, I choose to love and honor myself. Even though I'm feeling some fear, because I'm looking at something new, maybe it's just a new day, maybe it's a whole big change in my life. And part of me is saying, I'm not sure it's going to work out. And even though I feel some fear, I choose to deeply and completely love, honor, and accept myself. And maybe anyone else who might be involved. Tapping the eyebrow point. All this fear. Side of the eye. All this fear. Right under the middle of your eye. I'm not sure how things are going to work out. Under your nose. I'm not sure they're going to work out at all. Under the mouth. This change feels risky. Collarbone. And I'm not a big fan of risk. Under the arm. I'm afraid I might get hurt in some way. Top of the head. So part of me says, back to the eyebrow point, fear is the appropriate response. Side of the eye. I should be afraid. Under the eye. As uncomfortable as that might be. Under the nose. And I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Under the mouth. Do I really need to be this afraid? Collarbone. Whatever the consequences might be. Under the arm. I choose to have faith that I can handle it. Top of the head. Because I've been through difficult times before. Back to the eyebrow. And I have always handled it. Side of the eye. I have handled all of my worst days. Under the eye. The proof being that I'm still here. Under the nose. I've got this. Under the mouth. It's safe to calm this fear. Collarbone.
I'm allowing myself to feel more peace. Under the arm. I could even allow myself to feel good. Top of the head. In body, mind, and spirit. Take a deep breath. And let it go. And go in and check in again with your body and think about whatever you were imagining before this change or whatever it might be. And notice where you might have been feeling some discomfort and rate that on a scale of 0 to 10 again and see if that number has come down. And, uh, or if it's shifted and you've gotten some more awareness of what else you might be bothered by and you can do more specific tapping about that. And then, as I like to say, lather, rinse, repeat as necessary. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a, a several times through to get it down to a place where it's like, okay, now I feel more relaxed. But all that stuff we're just holding in our body, and this allows us to calm it down. That's so intriguing. I mean, the place that I was feeling, so I was feeling uncertainty about my own professional career of making a total success, or at least the success, success I would like out of this podcast, and I was feeling well, a lot of kind of energy pressure in my chest and I genuinely feel that's uh, diminished. So Excellent. that's quite interesting. And I think what's fascinating about this and when I say about people have got nothing to lose in trying, um, normally there's a skepticism about a, a kind of quick fix, right? Something that you could see results quickly. But I think that's quite interesting with this that you could feel something after five minutes. Generally, in... in People will say, oh, well, I, it, it didn't work, but it's like, so if I uh, have a video like tapping for a million dollars and it's like, oh, so I can watch this five minute video and then ma uh, magically a million dollars is going to show up. It's like, that's not what I'm promising. <laughs> and so they'll say, oh, tapping doesn't work because I don't have a million dollars yet. I've been tapping, tapping for a week on this video. And that's kind of like, you know, you're, you're couple hundred pounds overweight and you do sit-ups for three days and go, I don't have a six pack. Obviously sit-ups don't work. You know, we never know what exactly is between us and our goal. But generally, if we, if we allow ourselves to be open to it, we generally at least feel a little more relaxed. Hmm. And, and we have those, what we call one minute wonders where like the, the origin story of this woman with her fear of water, where in a matter of moments that was gone. Um, for me with the chocolate, I, you know, craving the chocolate down to, I can't even eat it. So we do sometimes have those, but it's allowing ourselves to know that it's, it's a long-term benefit. You know, if you, if you needed it to give an instant result every time, who would take vitamins? <laughs> no one takes a vitamin and says, I feel like Superman now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the, as you describe, I mean, this is emotional freedom technique. And I think what I'm interpreting from this is being that we should become aware of and make steps to release the emotional blockages we have, the limiting beliefs that we have. It's not that you're manifesting a million dollars to appear in your bank account right now. It's let's have a look at what subconscious beliefs that you hold about your ability to make money and your worthiness or deservingness of money. I think that's, Absolutely. am I correct in, in that? A Absolutely. Yeah. Because we have, we have these beliefs about how things are supposed to be. And when we try to challenge that, we have a stress response. Part of it says, no, 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 no. If I have been raised by people who say, we're poor, but we're happy, and rich people are all greedy and awful, I can sit there and consciously think I want to be a millionaire, but everything inside me is going to say, we are never going to let that happen. 
we are we aren't rich but we're happy and rich people are bad and you don't want to be a bad person you'll be outcast from your family we're not consciously in that but that's going on underneath and so our emotions drive our behavior and i like to say that emotional freedom is the freedom to make better choices so when we don't feel those negative emotions or uncomfortable emotions about money or about relationships or about health or whatever it might be then we have greater freedom you know i i, I know uh, your story and how you shifted it would be very easy for you to say all men are dangerous and uh you know and it's like you no know, some men <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's and it's unfortunate that you found one of them, but but giving you allowing and, and understandably our brain is designed to protect us. So it's like I don't care if it's true that all men are dangerous or not. It's going to keep me safe, and I'm going to make sure that I never talk to another man in my life, kind of thing. Because we will do that it, at times. We will if we it's like a child. We put our hand on a hot burner on the stove. We don't just decide, oh, never touch a hot burner again. We may decide never go in the kitchen again. And that's going to be very limiting in our lives. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm curious your take on, on identifying subconscious beliefs, because that can be difficult by nature that they're subconscious or unconscious. How can we bring that into something that's conscious? Yeah. And for me, that, that's why we, we check in with what am I feeling? So I may not be sure of what I am afraid of. I just know I've got this tightness. So I don't need to identify the specific belief of, um, oh, I'm really, I, I feel that I'm not allowed to have nice things because my friend Susie took my toy away in the third grade. <laughs> I don't, I don't have to, you know, and I may find that through the tapping and I said, peeling the layers of the onion, I may become aware of that. But it just that, you know, wanting to go to the store and buy something nice. It's like, I'd like to get a nice TV. Yeah, no, that just feels uncomfortable. And I don't know why. I, you know, even though secretly it's because Cindy's going to take it away or Susie or whoever it was. <laughs> um, and so I just feel this discomfort. So I can just say, even though I feel this tightness in my chest, whatever I'm aware of, and, and sometimes I may not even allow myself to identify it because my brain is telling me, if it's not safe to have it, it's not safe to tell you how to get rid of this fear. Mm -hmm. This fear is what's keeping us safe. That's why it can be helpful to work with a practitioner or, or someone else who's not going to say, you know, it's like going to a physical trainer and you, you know, on your own, you might do three push-ups and go, three, oh, that's good. And a personal trainer would say, come on, you got five more in you. <laughs> we push past that, that, that barrier. So... Through the process of time, we may become aware of what those beliefs were, and we may just let them go because they only matter in terms of what are we doing? What do we want? If I want to live in a different country, I want to experience new changes, but I feel this resistance, and I can tap on that resistance, even though I'm feeling this resistance, and I clear that, and it's like, all right, I'm going to go book my flight right now. Yeah. I don't really need to know what the, the specific belief was. You know, most of us have a, a trash bag, you know, a trash can in our kitchen. And at the end of the week, we tie up the trash bag and go throw it in the garbage outside. And it's gone. I don't need to go back outside and then open the trash bag again and go through, okay, here's the milk carton I finished yesterday. There's the eggs and, and all these other things. I don't have to know what all is in there. I go back to the kitchen. The trash bag is, trash can is now empty. My kitchen doesn't smell. 
that's all I need. I don't need to know what, what was removed. Mm. So great if we find it, you know, it can be interesting. If we may need to know sometimes because we may not get that shift until it's clear. But so often we just get that shift and it's like, I don't know what it was. I just know that it's gone. And I'm now, I now have that emotional freedom to make those better choices to get the results that I want. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to what you said before about in my own instance, I could have considered all men to be untrustworthy. They all could potentially harm me or take advantage of me in some way. I guess I'm sharing a bit of my personal story here, but I, re I realized even with this podcast that I was predominantly interviewing women. And most of the people that I was following were women as well. And I had recently gone on a retreat, so a self-development and spiritual retreat in Southern France, which was specifically aimed at healing the masculine and feminine wound within us. And it was so powerful for me. So there was a, a, a variety of different workshops and techniques and things that we did to release what had been stored, much of which I wasn't even aware of. And right. then ironically, the week or two later, I had five men of which you're one saying that they would come on the podcast. You know, and it's like those, mo and I realized like that took an opening for me. I, did, I just thought, well, no, maybe I just gravitate more towards the energy of women. But I think there probably was some subconscious thing there that is legitimate. I've been very hurt. There's probably an, a skepticism or a vigilance that, that, is, that is there. Understandably, it's, it's brilliant. Self-sabotage is simply misguided self-love. When we do things, you know, and, and like you may not have been consciously aware of, oh, I'm just choosing women. It's not like, uh, oh, I'm sabotaging my career by not having men on my podcast because, you know, you don't have to. But there are times where we know that we're sabotaging our, our health by what we eat, our financial situation by... You know, I, I just keep taking low paying jobs or whatever it might be. And we beat ourselves up, but we don't recognize that we are doing that out of a self-love directive. Because part of me says, like, if I believe that having more money is unsafe, I'm taking care of myself by that. If I believe that relationships or, and sometimes the health thing is related to that relationships. If, if men aren't safe, I, I've talked to a lot of people, men and women who think, if I'm, if I'm slimmer, if I'm in better shape, I'm afraid I'll be more attractive and I'll get more attention and I can't handle that. That's not safe for me. And so I compromise my health because of that. So there's all, I mean, there's so many different reasons why we stop ourselves. And you said most of it is unconscious. Most of us are going through our lives and not even aware of how we block ourselves. We've got these blinders on and we may say, gosh, I wish I had someone in my life gosh, I wish I was making more money. I don't have a clue why that's not happening. And, you know, and, and we just settle. And we say that this is just how it's supposed to be. And if we come from people who have settled, <laughs> then we're going to expect that that's the way it is. And we can see other people living lives that we think, oh, that would be awesome, but that's not for me. And, and we just take it for granted. And so this thing is allowing ourselves to, you know, I recommend tapping on a daily basis because it's energy hygiene. We, we have physical hygiene, like brushing our teeth, taking a shower. Most of us don't wait for a couple of weeks until people are holding their nose around us and go, oh, that's right, I haven't taken a shower. Oh, boy, I do kind of stink. But with stress, most of us don't do that. 
most of us are carrying at least an ambient level of stress. We're all walking around with a device that's constantly saying, here's something to get stressed out about. And that stress limits our ability to think clearly. It limits our ability to make good choices. It limits our lives in so many different ways. And like I said, you know, that, that stress about men limited. It's like, oh, well, I, I can't even think about um, having a man on my podcast. I can't even think consciously about the fact that I'm not asking men to, yes. to do that. And, uh, you know, not saying that <laughs> you're so lucky that guys are here now because we add so much value. Not, nothing like that. But, but we want to be open to all kinds of different experiences and find out. I, I want to be able to choose rather than having fear make those choices for me. Absolutely. And that's why I really love how you spoke about emotional freedom as being the freedom to make more choices, because it's a you are in the driver's seat, not the defense mechanism that you have created. Also that I've never heard that definition of self sabotage before. That's that's my Excellent. own. Yes. Yeah. It's my one really good quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll reiterate it because I, I thought that that was uh, quite fascinating. So when you said that self sabotage is misguided self love, reason why I immediately loved that was because the self-sabotaging behaviors that we have are defense mechanisms that we have at some point in our lives have protected us, whether they kept us safe, whether they made us feel comfortable at a moment that we felt very uncomfortable. Uh, and I often say that we need to thank those parts of ourselves first, acknowledge that they're there and then thank that they got us through a difficult part. So actually seeing that Amen. with a positive spin and seeing that as self-love, like, yes. Amen. That's why I'm always talking about, it's about having compassion with yourself. So rather than beating yourself up for, you know, not showing up at that interview, uh, yeah. you know, eating that thing you shouldn't have eaten, it's going, oh, I appreciate that part of me that thought I needed this to protect me. You know, given given what I've been through in relationships, I really love that part of me that is trying to make sure that never happens again. But at a certain, when we make these decisions, we, they're what I often call half sentences, like um, men are dangerous. It's like some men are dangerous. <laughs> some men are dangerous in certain situations, as are women, as are anything. You know, we can say it's not... I was working with somebody and where they had grown up, there was, you know, parts of the neighborhood where you didn't want to have jewelry showing or anything like that. It's like, okay, hide the jewelry. And the, and the message was, it's not safe to have money. It's like, That's a half sentence. It's not safe to have money and show it off in certain neighborhoods <laughs> or uh, around certain people. And so going back to the, the, the stove thing, you know, it's not safe to touch a, a stove. No, it's not safe to touch a burner when it's turned on. But, uh, you know, and so we allow ourselves to get clear on, okay, there is something that I need to protect myself from, but I've really expanded that and I've limited so many options because I haven't been specific enough about what the danger actually is. Mm, beautiful. Agree. <laughs> Fully. There we go. I want to ask you one last question before I move on to the final fast few. And that is for somebody wanting to implement tapping into a daily practice. I'm hearing that like many things we need to have it as a practice to keep that stress level on less than ambient as you described. <laughs> so what, what could we do 
let's say to start as a morning or evening routine. I know that's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, a morning routine or a, what's your take, right. Brad? I, I mean, I do some tapping first thing in the morning and you can use tapping for positive things. It's not like I wake up grumpy every morning. It's like, oh, even though it's another day, I'll, I'll tap while saying prayers or affirmations and it can be a very positive thing. And it's just, and I, and you can just tap silently. Because whatever that is, you're going to be calming down stress. I, you know, I have over a thousand videos on YouTube. If you want to take a guided tapping round, go on YouTube. You can make something up. And again, tap silently while you're singing a song, whatever it might be. And you can just do it first thing in the morning, in the shower, while you're in the bathroom, whatever it is, something that, you know, it doesn't have to take extra time away, but just saying, okay, I'm allowing myself to balance out my energy system. Beautiful. I'm going to give it a go. Get the whole family on it. Why not? <laughs> so first, last, well, one of the final fast few is, is there something that you used to believe that you no longer believe, Brad? <laughs> when you said these, it's like, I no longer believe that the tooth fairy puts money under the pillow. Um, <laughs> the, the funny thing is because there are a number of things that I used to believe that I know I believe that I'm not consciously aware of. Going back to what we were talking about is those limiting beliefs. There's a level of freedom that I have in my life to be able to be successful that I didn't have before. And some of them may have been conscious beliefs that I had about it's not safe to be seen. I don't think I can handle criticism. And there are probably a lot of beliefs that I had, you know, which limited my ability to succeed as an actor. You know, I didn't put myself out the way I needed to to have a successful career. So I had beliefs that I apparently no longer have because I put myself out on the internet all the time now. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's tons of things that I used to believe that I really believe that I am not fully conscious of. And that's the great thing, like we said about the tapping, is you can go through and maybe not even know what the limiting belief is. You just see that things are changing. Mm. And I mean, you present as a very grounded, balanced guy, so that um, <laughs> that can speak on some level. <laughs> yeah. Tapping daily has been it's been very, very good for me. <laughs> Second, what is one quote or affirmation that resonates with you that you'd like to share? Well, certainly the self sabotage one, um, but. One of the quotes I have up is from Walt Whitman, be curious, not judgmental. And uh, that's part of the compassion with ourselves. Is, and, and I use that a lot with clients, like looking at what stops you and be curious, not judgmental. Don't beat yourself up for what you feel like you're doing wrong or what you're not doing right. But allow yourself to be curious about why is that? When, at what point did I decide yeah, it's not safe for me to do this and I need to limit my options and things like that. So allowing ourselves to be curious, uh, you know, really helps that. So just that simple little quote of be curious, not judgmental, rather that really helps keep that in mind. Yeah, brilliant. And so simple. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Lastly, is there one piece of advice that you would give to listeners who are on this journey to meet their inner selves, to do the works of healing and live a more joyful, meaningful life. All right, this is going to come totally out of left field and people are going to be totally surprised by my answer, but um, tap daily. <laughs> I, and I know it's, it's a change. It's, you know, adding something new, but it, like I said, it doesn't have to take any more time. And 
there are so many benefits just in terms of our health to be calming that stress because when we're stressed, there's cortisol pumping through our body. And when that's in there in a chronic way that has all kinds of negative effects on our health, it, it affects our choices and our outcomes. So I, I, yeah, that would be unsurprisingly the thing I would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Tap with Brad, it is. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time today and for sharing what I imagine is a novel subject for many people listening. So uh, thank you for the insights. And I am choosing, like you say, to be curious, not judgmental. Fully in agreement with that. Well, yeah. thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for your courage in, in starting over and deciding that you were worth it and then taking that on and making a difference for others. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And thank you to everyone listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would greatly appreciate it if you left a review or clicked follow wherever you're listening to this. In the meantime, I hope you all have a wonderful week and I hopefully see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.